What the hell league you been playing in? California penals. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One old chicken, just like you said. Every time we win, we peel a section. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. He's Ricky Wapping Vaughn. I'm Jake Taylor. She's Rachel Phelps. He's the manager, Lou Brown. Folks, we are a lot of things, but we are not a major league operation. But we are Vikings Report. Drewster. How are you? The local press seems to think we'd save everyone a lot of time and trouble if we just went out and shot ourselves. I'm doing great, Ted. I, I am doing all right. <laughs> going back yeah. to another studio shot here super bowl's over season's over but we're still gonna grind these shows out that's what she said that's how meow meow welcome everybody to episode <laughs> 122 christopher how you doing this fine evening i am doing all right uh the, the season's officially over which always kind of stinks but uh you know it just means we get to look forward to uh the free agency and the draft because if nothing else, the NFL has done their best to make themselves a, a year-round operation. So we still got stuff to do. Yeah, we've only got like a couple weeks till what the new league year starts or whatever it is, and then free agency, and then the draft, and and all that stuff. I, I you know, Ruby, are you out there this evening? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Bummed that the Niners blew it. So, so like, <laughs> like Drew's life kind of revolves around football. What do you do? What does he do? I kind of want to know. I've never really asked this question, but now that football's over, what does he do? Like now that football's over, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left. Oh my god, he just discovered YouTube TV. Really? <laughs> We're like at the bottom of the barrel of YouTube videos. I am so behind, so behind on all the TV I have to watch. When will it be enough? Good God, you're still watching The Walking Dead. That isn't even essential viewing. Do you want people to think you're married to a fool? Do you have to watch every comic book show? Every docu-series? Every adaptation of a podcast? Podcasts! Were they moderately well-reviewed? Yes. Then yes! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've been having trouble sleeping lately. I don't know why. I've, I've usually not, never really had trouble sleeping. I find myself going down alien conspiracy theory rabbit holes on YouTube and on like Facebook reels at three o'clock in the morning. And I, I really have got to learn like how to sleep again. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go into the bathroom? Because <laughs> the pee is silent. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because I'm finding weird stuff, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Now, now, see, as someone who does shift work, I have kind of the same issue. Working, uh, you know, trying to get my sleep schedule uh, swapped around occasionally and whatnot. I will say that if you have one of those uh, streaming services like Pluto TV or whatever, uh, if you go to the Pluto TV app or some of these other ones, there is an entire channel that is nothing but one episode after another of The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. You will be out in 15 minutes if you lay there and watch that for too long. And think about individual boards here and sort of change the grain a little bit. There. And you can make this any old way that you want it. This piece of canvas really is your world. <laughs> you will be sawing logs before you know what even happened to you, man. It was, it's so good. It's so good. Sometimes I wake up at 4.30 in the morning watching some documentary on the decadence of Rome or something, and I'm going, what am I doing? Yeah, that and 9-11. Hooked on 9-11 videos. 
we're just going to paint these happy little Nephilim right here. And no, the happy little aliens are going to go right here. It's not really off-season for me. With all this draft stuff you got to look at, these, it doesn't really seem like off-season. Well, we, speaking of that, we've got a big show. We've, we're going to continue our off-season positional analysis. We're going to talk running backs. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. we got a lot to talk about. Before we get going, though, well, a couple of real quick announcements. There was no winner to our Rook Dog Challenges. If you remember, we had this contest. All you had to do was enter who you thought was going to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year and the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Surprisingly, nobody picked uh, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. Well, not surprisingly because there's really not been a good quarterback to come out of Ohio State like literally ever. He ain't lying. But C.J. Stroud won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who was the Defensive Rookie of the Year? I, I meant to write that down. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I think it was Will Anderson. Will Anderson? Yeah, the guy from Houston. Second year in a row that the team won both offense and defense. Remember, the Jets did it last year with Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. Oh, so. okay, yeah. Nobody correctly picked the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, so nobody won the money. This So Drew, because he is a kind and benevolent dictator, has upped the reward <laughs> or the award next year to $175 gift card if you can pick the Rook Dog Challenge. So the Rook Dog Challenge will carry over to next year because there was no winner this year. We've still got a couple of a live draft show contests going on. We're going to give away a jersey, a couple other prizes. Stay tuned for that uh, in the upcoming weeks with the draft coming up at the end of April. We're going to be live the first two nights of the draft for the first three rounds. And again, as always, head on over to purplepainforms.com, our home on the World Wide Web, purplepainforms.com. Great group of folks, great community. None of the garbage that you see on most social media outlets. Dan Chad has a great off-season plan for 2024. A couple other community members have some great, hey, this is what I would do for 2024. And they're fairly realistic. Probably not going to happen. But it's not the, hey, look at mock draft 37.8 where I've traded for nine first-round draft picks that are just stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's stuff that you can actually go, you know what? That's fairly reasonable. I don't know that I agree with it, but it at least makes you think. So head on over to purpleplaneforms.com. Hey, we're not going to do 300 mock drafts before April 25th on this show? Uh, we can if you want. I've got mock draft 72.3 here ready to go. It's a full seven-rounder uh, with trades, and I have a full undrafted free agent class. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Then we'll have another one in an hour. Then an hour after that, we'll have another one. Then an hour after that, we'll have <laughs> Yeah, I've one. got the Bears trading down three times, so they end up with nine first-round draft picks. <laughs> you may have a problem. Why, why mock before free agency? I mean, that's kind of stupid. Look, I, I get it. It's something to do. I get it. I do some every now and then just to make myself familiar with some of the college players because I, I'm not a big – amateur look at the film guy I'm, I'm just not but I, I think some guys have a problem I, there should be like a mock draft anonymous there there really should be much like you have alcoholics <laughs> anonymous gamblers anonymous there should be a mock draft anonymous dude you got a disease i'm an addict hi hi my name's bob and i i've uh uh, uh and i'm a mock draftaholic hi bob <laughs> hi bob I, I lost my home and my wife and my job to mock drafts. Oh, that's terrible, Bob. How, how did it happen? Well, you know, I only started out with one mock draft a year, and I only did it before draft. And, you know, it just goes on. From, anyway, we're, we're going to do one, though. We're going to do one, but it's going to be close to the draft in April. We are. We are. And then we are. And then the night of the draft on our live draft show, we are going to do our prediction who we think is going to be drafted as the picks come in, at, you know, before, before we're going. Chris. Chris kicks our ass in this every year. Us, man. It's it's bad. The last time we did this, I I got a I was on a lucky run there for a while. Then Ted decided we need to start talking to like other people or whatever it was, and we just stopped. That's when we had the agent on. We had the agent. Yeah, that was the one. What's her name? Yeah. Emily Staker. Had to break the mojo, baby. Joe Boo. Are you the man? It's the moment. 
حرکه میدس ال پودر حرکان کیستا ال کرفال تداره ایدوازیان Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, we got some Vikings news. We got uh, Super Bowl recap, positional analysis. No trivia tonight because we, we got we're, we're getting uh, knee deep in the hoopla with the running backs. But uh, before we get going with all that, Drew, what time is it? I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little problem, talk some running backs, and light this candle? He's right. Light that out, Davis, eternal flame, and light this candle. <laughs> he surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. part right i need to have spectacular hair like that guy he's got that kind of ocean spray cranberry thing going on at the top there that's, that's pretty <laughs> impressive i i don't think i can pull that off anymore but you know maybe i could give it a go ruby super imposed tyler fornis's just just magnificent quaff of hair onto chris if you would just do the <laughs> the fabio just do the fabio jesus all right so Super Bowl 58 is in the books. Kansas City beat San Francisco in dramatic fashion, 25 to 22 in overtime. For Kansas City, it's six straight AFC championships, four to two in those games. They've been to four of the last five Super Bowls, and they have won three of the last five, including two straight. The word dynasty is being thrown around, and that's uh, I don't think that's an unfair word. For San Francisco, they've, they've had a pretty good run, although they haven't won a Super Bowl. Let's see. They have been to three straight NFC Championship game appearances, four in five years. They are two and two in those NFC Championship games, and they it is their second Super Bowl in five years. Both of those times they lost to Kansas City. Thoughts on the game, gentlemen? Drew, we'll start with you. I thought it was a pretty good game. I thought San Francisco played, they played well until that last drive in overtime. That was their worst defensive stand. All, you know, the guy who drove down the field and scored. They had their chances, but when you got Mahomes on the ropes, you got to put him away. You got to score a touchdown on that opening drive, the overtime drive. They got to get that thing in the end zone because that's when he plays his best when he's under pressure. Kind of figured Mahomes was going to take him down the field to score. I kind of did, but throughout the game, they had him figured out. Mahomes wasn't playing very well. Not in that first half, not at all, no. Yeah. You know, San Francisco's gotten there this season by average to good quarterback play. If you're going to have just an average quarterback, you better have a damn good running back. and You better have a defense. And they had all that. That's why they were there. But it just wasn't enough. I thought they kind of blew their chance. I, I felt good about third quarter. They were going to win, but just wasn't meant to be. Kansas City did their thing. They did. Chris, what did you think of the game? Enjoy the game? Didn't enjoy it? What? I, I thought it was a pretty entertaining game all around. I mean, the first half, the Niners kind of move the ball up and down the field without a whole lot of resistance from the Chiefs. I mean, they had the fumble on the first drive, but the Chiefs wound up going three and out after the fumble. But, yeah, they moved the ball up and down the field, and, you know, they probably should have been up more than they were at halftime. And, you know, then they came out for the second half, and Kyle Shanahan forgot that Christian McCaffrey was on his roster, and they were trying to throw the ball all over the yard rather than running it like they had been. And, you know, they, they got to the end of the game, and as soon as that third down pass – for the Niners near the goal line and overtime fell over or fell incomplete. You knew it was over with because they were going to kick the field goal. And, you know, like we all said last week, if anyone wants to bet against Patrick Mahomes, you're better off just going outside and lighting your money on fire because, you know, that, <laughs> that dude's inevitable, man. There's really nothing else you can say about it. He does what he does and he does it better than anybody else does. So in overtime, 49ers win the toss and there was a lot of chatter on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it now that the 49ers should have deferred. Instead, they took the ball, went down, kicked the field goal. Uh, Mahomes gets the ball, drives down, scores a touchdown, game over. Would you have deferred there, Chris? Well, first off, I want to point out that at least one guy I saw from Kyle Juszczyk basically said the Niners didn't know what the new overtime rules were. Juszczyk said that he assumed that if the Niners took the ball and went down the field and scored a touchdown, the game was over. And the NFL has changed the rules now so that each team is guaranteed a possession. So yes. whether it's Kyle Shanahan that didn't know the rules or apparently nobody on the Niners knew what the actual rules were for 
overtime now in the Super Bowl. But I think given that situation, you know, if I would have won the toss, I probably would have deferred, played defense first. Because, you know, if Mahomes is going to go down and score, you have a chance to go down and, and match that. I think another part of that was, you know, the Niners had just been on defense and the defense was probably tired. So maybe Shanahan wanted to give them a bit of a break. But I think all things being equal, I probably would have gone ahead and played defense first. And then because uh, you're guaranteed to get the ball at least once anyway. So, you yeah. know, just take it second, then you know what you have to do. And if you get down there and you score a touchdown of your own, you can decide whether you want to go for two and end things or, you know, play for play for more overtime. So I think I would have deferred if I would have won the toss. Drew? Oh, I think they played it right by taking the ball. But when you're playing against one guy in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, if you take the ball first and you score, he's 100% going to score on the way back. So if I kick it to him first, he's better under pressure. You know, and the best part of your team for the Niners is the defense. So you have to play with your strengths. And I probably would have deferred also. How about Dre Greenlaw? I mean, coming onto the field and he tears his Achilles. Not not yeah. during the play, not on the field, but on a change of possession. Going out on the – that's just, that's just not fair, man. That's, that's just, just not fair. Yeah. It's like dram- Grammatica or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's <laughs> yeah. I saw the 49ers. I was looking this up today, and I, I put this in the notes for you guys. I look at the 49ers. I said earlier what it was their fourth – NFC Championship game in five years. And there's like this expectation for both Kansas City and San Francisco to at least be on the very short list of teams expected to go to the Super Bowl. And most Vikings fans don't remember, but there was a time when the Vikings were this good in terms of San Francisco and Kansas City every year. The Vikings went to four NFC Championship games in five years, and they won three of them. They won three Super Bowls in, in four years. They went to Super Bowl eight, nine. And 11. They should have gone to Super Bowl 10, but Drew Pearson could burn in hell, but whatever. You know, when the Super Bowl ends every year and I'm watching it every year, I, I get kind of depressed because the Vikings aren't in it. And I, I remember a time when the Vikings were a, a shoe in to win the division, a lock to go to the playoffs, and a lock almost to be one of the last four teams playing, it felt like, or should be one of the last four teams playing and it just the older I get the more I don't know depressed or bummed out I get that they aren't and it doesn't feel like consistently they aren't going to be anytime soon I don't know no and I, I understand because I kind of get the the same feeling up I, I haven't had quite the the same experience with this as you two guys have I mean the last time the Vikings even participated in a Super Bowl I believe I was three months old so I have no memories of the Vikings even making a Super Bowl in my lifetime, you guys have been there for, for the Super Bowl losses and stuff like that. But football is awesome to watch and it's entertaining and we have a good time when we win. We get depressed when we lose. But the, the old saying keeps going around, Vikings fan, and just, just win it once before I die. And, you know, like Ted said, it, it doesn't seem like they're super close to making that happen, unfortunately. I feel the same way when the thing ends. I kind of think that before it starts, well, the hoopla going on, that's when I kind of think, carry it back to that Raiders Super Bowl we had in 76, or 76 season, happened in 77. Uh-huh. I stayed up all night. Me and my buddy is also a Viking fan. We were 11 years old, stayed up all night, watched Saturday Night Live. We had a bunch of Raiders and Viking stuff on it. Yep, sure did. And they had specials all night, stayed up all night, got all psyched during the day. And then we blocked that punt. We thought this is going to be different this year. We blocked that punt on Ray Guy, and I thought it was over. The thing's been lifted, and then we fumbled inside the five, and the whole thing went to hell. The regular season was so fun to watch, and it's not just because we were dominant with wins. It was because it used to be all the same team all the time. So it was your family. It was Paul Krause, Nate Wright, Tarkin, and Foreman. Yeah, Eller. Nobody, like, ran left. Nobody, everybody stayed together, and it really For made... The most part, yeah. And all the teams in the NFL did. You know, when you're taking on Cincinnati, they had, you know, Isaac Curtis and Kenny Anderson. You take on Dallas, they had Staubach. Everybody had the same players all the time. I mean, the Ed White trade was crazy back in the 70s. Nobody traded anybody. Everybody just stayed on the same team, so it felt a lot more family-oriented. I don't know. The rules have changed. Still feels like we're closer when I was 11-year-old than now. I never thought when I was 11-year-old that we're not going to be back here for 40-something years or whatever. I never thought that. 
I, I remember Fran Tarkin taking a safety early in Super Bowl nine. It's two nothing at halftime. I thought, man, the Vikings are going to come back and win, but they didn't. I thought they would. I thought Super Bowl eleven. You know, they like you said, Matt Blair blocks that Ray guy first punt Ray guy ever had blocked in his entire career. Bobby Bryant goes to grab it. I mean, it it, it just grazed his fingertips, and he would have gone. He would have walked into the end zone. It would have been seven right. nothing Vikes. You know, it just kind of felt that it was going to be different that year. I man, I I don't know. I and and even though they lost. It just felt, okay, well, they'll just be back next year. They'll just win it next year. And, and if they go back next year, they were going to beat Denver. Yeah, it just it just seemed like there was not ever a time when the Vikings – because when you're a kid, you just – you don't imagine those guys getting old and skills diminishing and all that, but obviously it happened and everything. And, you know, here we are 47, 48 years later, and they barely stiffed it. It'll always be a mystery with me, Ted, of how they played so poorly in those Super Bowls. You mentioned that Steeler game. Leading up yeah. to that Steeler game, they had, like, 210 yards rushing four weeks before. They had like 350, 210. They were by far the best rushing team in football. And then they yeah. played the Super Bowl and got 17 yards. That's unbelievable. How did they get so out of their game plan? You know, I don't know. That's the one thing I always baffle no about those. How, how dominant they were in the in the regular season and in the playoffs, and then in the Super Bowl they just fell flat on their face. But it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Anyways, hopefully. Like Chris said, just one before I die. I don't want a dynasty. I, I don't. I you know I don't want a Chiefs dynasty. I don't want a Patriots dynasty. I just want to enjoy one with my grandson before. Can we get one next year? Can anyway. we get one next year? Well, hopefully, you know. Let's see. Let's see how they how they handle the running back position because it's time for our positional analysis. And last week we talked quarterbacks. That was our shortest, probably our shortest segment of the year. It only took about ten minutes. You want to go back to last week, episode one twenty one. Check it out. Didn't spend a whole lot of time because we all know, you know, the most settled position on the team. Another position that should be very settled is the running back position. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty obvious to me. You guys want a couple of statistics? Yes, gentlemen. Sure. In 2023, the Minnesota Vikings, led by the duo of Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler, were 28th in rushing attempts. They were 29th in yards, and they were 30th in rushing TDs. And running back number one for most of the year, Alexander Madison, you know how many rushing touchdowns he had? Zero. Same number as I did. As many <laughs> as Chris Cook had career interceptions, and that would be none. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no touchdowns. Yeah. Nope. RB1 had zero rushing TDs. They were 24th in yards per attempt. They were the 22nd ranked offense, but they were 10th in yards. Last year, they were a top 10 offense, both in points and yards. They were 8th in points and 7th in yards. They were still 28th in, in attempts, 27th in yards, although they were 7th in TDs. They were still only 26th in yards per attempt. The Vikings have got to do something at the running back position. Currently on the roster, though, the guys that led the way are still under contract for next year. Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. Also, you, you've got Kane Wangwu, Miles Gaskin, Dwayne McBride, and C.J. Ham coming back. Chris, what are your thoughts about those guys on the roster? You you happy with some, none, or all of them? I would like to see Ty Chandler get a chance to be the unquestioned number one guy. I mean, you, you called Madison and Chandler a duo, but until Madison got nicked up and injured last year. Uh, they didn't really seem to want to give Ty Chandler the football very much, even though, you know, when he did, he seemed like he was always breaking off runs of sizable distance. But yeah, Madison, I don't know if KOC's kind of loyalty to him was based on, you know, okay, you sat behind Dalvin Cook for four years and we're bringing you back and now you're going to get an opportunity to be the guy. But Madison's not the guy. He'd be a solid backup, but he's not the kind of guy that can carry a backfield, I don't think. I don't know if Chandler can necessarily either, but, you know, I, I think he should get the opportunity to uh, at least have a go at it. Drewster, what about you? You uh, you good with some, none, or all of the running backs currently on the roster? I agree with everything Chris just said about Ty Chandler. He definitely gets a shot at being the number one in training camp. Alexander Madison, you're out. Boom, roasted. Wang Wu, you're out. Boom, roasted. Gaskin. Boom, roasted. I keep McBride, bring him into camp and see if he can win the starting role. He deserves a shot. He's only a rookie last year. CJ Ham, I'm kind of iffy. I'm going to leave that one up to you, you guys. I'm not much of a CJ Ham fan. 
But I don't see what paying him, what, two million bucks or something. We could probably save a little on that. But boom, roasted, he's out too. So I'm keeping my guy on the practice squad, Dwayne McBride, and I'm keeping Chandler, and I'm going to hell with everything else. If we're going to blow up the team from an offensive standpoint with quarterback and running back, let's get this group fixed. You just read all those numbers. None of that is worth a plug nickel. I say it every week. You can't just be good enough to be good. Look at all the guys in the running back court. There's nobody on there that really scares a defensive coordinator. Those two guys, and then get a free agent or get somebody in the draft and have all three of them compete for the top prize. Just a bit outside. <laughs> I agree about Ty Chandler. I think he did enough late last year to earn a shot at winning the RB1 job in training camp next year. Yes. I don't think he should be crowned the starting running back. I, I also agree with Chris that I, I don't know if it was out of sense of loyalty or whatever. After they cut Dalvin Cook, they wanted an experienced guy. Madison knew the system, whatever the case may be. But here's an interesting thing. Alexander Madison, I just looked it up. His cap number next year, it's not a whole lot. It's, it's $4.6 million. However, if they cut Madison, they save $4 million. And they only have a dead cap number of $600,000. I mean, now, it's it's not a lot in terms of money saved. But for as little production as he gave you, I can see a scenario where if the Vikings get a guy in free agency and or the draft, and they kind of like what they have in Ty Chandler, I can see them moving on from Madison and his $4 million price tag because Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings GM, being an analytics dude, they don't pay running backs a lot of money. And that just seems like a fairly high number for a guy that didn't score one single touchdown as your starting running back last year. Let me ask you a question, Ted Glover. Okay, Drew Bunting. Would you rather have Madison for $4 million or DeAndre Swift or Austin Eckler for the same money? Uh, I would much rather have DeAndre Swift. I, I'm not sure about Austin Eckler. I think he he might be a little bit cooked or washed, as the kids would say. But I would definitely take DeAndre Swift. I'm always afraid of giving running backs a big second contract because a lot of the guys who get to be elite at the running back position, seeing some of the free agents like Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, whatever, those guys get a ton of carries every year, and it wears a lot of tread off of the uh, proverbial tires at this point. And, you know, we saw what happened with Delvin Cook. He got the uh, the big second contract from the Vikings. It was good for a couple years. And then all of a sudden this year, he just, I mean, the Vikings decided they didn't need him anymore. And he went to the Jets and basically didn't do anything. So right. yeah, g- giving running backs a big second contract is always a bit of a, uh, I-, I think it's a bad idea in most cases, but uh, you know, there's a position you can save money at and uh, get guys out of the draft that are ready to go pretty much right away is the running back position. Because, I mean, you look at Isaiah yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, I believe that dude was a seventh-round pick, and he's been the uh, the starting running back for the Chiefs for the last two years, and they they won the Super Bowl those two years. So you can save money at the running back position as long as you get the right guy. And, you know, you, you run him down, wear him out, and move on to the next running back because that's just how the NFL basically works at this point. Alfred Morris, sixth-rounder. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, remember how good he was? He was a seventh-rounder. Michael Turner, that great running back for the Falcons for a few years, he was a fifth-rounder. And as Ted mentioned, Pacheco, seventh-rounder. Those are just some guys that you can get late that have done really well. Well, you mentioned C.J. Ham. He had, um, let's see, I carry the one. He had one carry last year for seven yards. Uh, He had seven catches for 25 yards last year. Talking about a salary, though, it's not like last year I think he made like $3 million or whatever it was. He's only making 1.5 this year, and his dead number is like 1.7. So I I don't really see the benefit of cutting C.J. Ham in that terms. I mean, and like he look, he's a good blocking fullback, very good special teams player. I don't see them moving on from C.J. Ham this year. But basically, you guys are all aboard kind of like an extreme makeover in the running back room, correct? Other than Ty Chandler. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see Dwayne McBride get a little more of a chance, but okay, right. yeah, other than that, yeah. So let's look at free agents. Now, Chris, you said don't give guys a big second contract, and this is where the big second contract guys would come in. Or actually, in Derrick Henry's case, it would be third contract. 
Now, Derrick Henry's going to be 30 years old. I mean, to this day, I still don't know why why Alabama quit giving the ball to Derrick Henry in the 2014 Sugar Bowl against Ohio State. I still he, They didn't give him the ball the entire second and third quarter, which is why Ohio State won, and I'm still cool with that. Go watch that game. It's incredible. <laughs> he was mauling Ohio State. Uh, it was mauling Ohio State. But anyways, Josh Jacobs is a very good back. Saquon Barkley is a very good back. Tony Pollard. I think those dudes are going to get big money from someone. I don't think any of those guys are going to get big money from the Minnesota Vikings. Do you, Drew? I do not. Derrick Henry's 30 years old, Ted. I looked at his stat, 522 snaps. He had 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. I'm thinking, I thought he was washed up. That's pretty good numbers for a 30-year-old. It is, but, I mean, he's got more tread on his tires than the starting lineup at Daytona, man. Here's what worries me about Derrick Henry. You go back the last five seasons. 2019, most carries in the National Football League. 2020, most carries in the National Football League. 2021, only played eight games. 2022, most carries in the National Football League. 2023, most carries in the National Football League. That's a lot of work for a dude over the course of five years. I mean, like you said, this would be his third big contract. He's just turned 30. He turned 30 about a month ago. So, yeah, somebody might pay him, but I I certainly hope it's not Minnesota that gives him that kind of money this time around. Dude's got more mileage on him than Nina Hartley, man. <laughs> he just Ooh. does. <laughs> We're off. He just does. Tell me I'm wrong. Nina, Nina, what about between you? Kids, do not Google Nina. Do not Google Nina Hartley at work. Uh, let yeah. me yeah, make sure you, uh, yeah. Definitely not something you want to do on the work computer. Now, Josh Jacobs is only 26. Saquon Barkley's only 27. But Saquon had a one or two, he's had one or two significant injuries in his short time in the NFL. He's had at least one ACL. Yeah, and Tony Pollard. And and Tony Pollard, you know, I hate to reference fantasy football, but I had Pollard on my fantasy team last year, and he just sort of disappeared, like, in terms of production as the number one running back, like, the last five or six weeks of the season last year. Those four guys are going to get overpaid. Absolutely agree. Every top name in free agency gets way overpaid because teams are desperate for somebody because they don't have a guy at that position. Yeah, there's better values later on in the free agent market. And this is where I think Quasi Adolfo Mensa might make some money. I listed, I only put like three guys down there. If you guys have a couple other names, these are the guys that I think are viable targets for the Vikings. One of them, a guy from the Chiefs, or had played for the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's only going to be 25 years old. Kind of flies under the radar, doesn't get a lot of the notoriety in the press, but the guy's not bad. Yeah, he hasn't gotten a lot of work for a first-round pick because, you know, he's given up carries to uh, Jarek McKinnon, and, you know, we mentioned Isaac Pacheco already, but, you know, he was a first-round pick for a reason, I guess. The guy's never been the back he was at LSU. He's never been that guy. Okay. He's a good player, but I would say I would give thumbs down to that. You guys are going to rip me because this cat went to Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins. And and I, I only mention J.K. Dobbins because he was tremendous at OSU, and he's had one season-ending injury, and he had a second one last year. But if he is healthy, I think he could be a really good football player. I just think, like Cam Akers, the injury history is going to scare away a lot of teams. Now, if he's not hurt, tremendous bargain, tremendous value. My third guy is Devin Singletary, who I think could be a pretty good football player in the right system. Those are my guys. I had Singletary, too. I think he'd be a solid guy. I don't know if he's going to be in line to get overpaid necessarily. But I'm going to throw out a name that uh, is either going to make people laugh or cry or groan or whatever. How about our old friend Cordero Patterson, who is now technically a running back, I guess, because that's how the Falcons have been using him the last few years. I mean... That, that dude's been in the league for 11 seasons now. He hasn't been really? used a hell of a lot. Yeah, he's 2014. This will be his uh, this will be his 11th season coming up. So he, he's technically a running back now, I guess. And I suppose you could maybe do some things with him and maybe get him for cheap. He's a kick returner also. So Yeah. I saw that, and the reason I did not include him is because he's 32. I don't think you're going to go for guys much older than 26 or 27, but that's just me. And uh, just kind of taking a look at some of the other names that are on the list of free agent running backs, we got Zach Moss from the Colts. Could uh, potentially be a quality guy. He had some uh, had some solid games last year when Jonathan Taylor was out. 
our old friend Amir Abdullah Ablongada. <laughs> Outstanding special teamer, probably doesn't offer much as a running back anymore. Like Drew said, the, the bargains in free agency at the running back position are going to come after the uh, the Henrys and the Barclays and those guys uh, all get signed. So, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that shakes out. First, who you got? I got Swift from Philly as my number one. If I'm going to go after somebody, you could probably get him for about, he only made like $2 million a year last year. My other couple guys I got on here are, I like Gus Edwards. Now, I know he's 29, but Gus Edwards played in every game last season, didn't miss any time. And that means a lot to me from the running back position. He had 13 rushing touchdowns, which was, I think, tops in the running backs for all these guys on the free agent list. 800 yards, 20 touchdowns. I think he would be a viable back to put in there. Like he's not an explosive dynamic superstar by any means, but that's one of the guys I had. And my third guy was Josh Kelly from the Chargers. I like his style. He's a good pass blocker, pick up blitzes, stuff like that. He's good in the receiving game. I like Josh Kelly. I don't I don't necessarily know if the Vikings like Josh Kelly, but I think he's he's kinda I would have been playing him more than Eckler for the Chargers. I don't know what the deal is. Um I like Swift. I just kinda think he might be more than the Vikings want to pay. Only reason I didn't put him down, if he's at a price range the Vikes would be willing to go, he'd probably be my number one guy. I just I just think free agency sort sort of gets to be crazy in terms of contracts that are doled out early on, and I just think he might go kind of high. I think teams are going to kind of shy away from Derrick Henry because they're, they're going to look at the all, all the mileage Derrick Henry has, and they're going to go, geez, I don't know. I'll, but then again, all it takes is one team, so I I don't know. After that top four you mentioned, the next guys off the board are probably going to be Eckler and Swift. That's what everybody's going to be after. So, probably. you know what? It always seems like a month, a month and a half after free agency. Some of these guys trickle through the cracks and you can get them for nothing. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think the Vikings are going to be jumping right into the deep end of the free agency pool on day one. Now, I mean, maybe it was because last year, you know, the Vikings didn't have a whole lot of cap space to deal with. And then they actually got some some money to deal with this year. I just don't see it, especially at running back. I just don't see them going all in on a guy like Jacobs or Pollard or, or even, you know, DeAndre Swift. I, I just don't see it, but that's just me. No, I kind of agree with that. Like you said, the uh, the analytics side for uh, for Quasi and company, uh, a lot of these teams aren't paying running backs a lot of money, and I, I think the Vikings are going to kind of follow suit on that. I have a quick question before we get to the draft picks. Yeah. Is it going to be a committee thing this year, do you guys think? Or do you think Chandler can be the, like, Bell cow. Can he carry the ball 25 times a game, Chris? I am not entirely sure. I mean, we saw a few times this year he's a bit of a liability as a pass blocker, which is kind of important if you're going to be a, a three-down guy and not have to get pulled out of the lineup on third down all the time. As far as just running ability, I think he has the skills to do that, but I think it would have to be more of a committee thing uh, for the Vikings going forward, like a lot of teams do. So I'm I'm looking at Ty Chandler's stats real quick. I pulled him up. He had 102 carries. He had 461 yards and 21 catches for 159 yards, which is only nine less than Alexander Madison. I think he can. Yeah. Oh, real quick. Let me ask you guys this. Cam Akers, you, would you want Cam Akers back? I thought he was starting to play really well for the Vikings up until he tore his Achilles in the Atlanta game, I believe it was. I kind of don't think so. I mean, he, he already did one Achilles back in 2021, and then he did the other Achilles this time around. And, you know, for a position like running back where you age a little quicker than uh, a lot of other positions anyway, I think that might just be way too much for uh, for one guy to come back from. I don't know how explosive he's going to be after that. But uh, it would be a nice story, but I don't see the Vikings bringing Cam Akers back this year. Drew? kind of feel the same way although I I really like his experience and his receiving ability I mean that stands out to me and it's good to have a guy that's somewhat of a veteran on the team I don't know how much they want to pay him or whatever but try to keep somebody between him and and Madison I mean or the other dude you mentioned I'd keep him but I don't know like Chris said it's pretty iffy to take a chance on a guy with two Achilles blown out yeah if he only wants to take a million bucks maybe I, I don't know I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think they're going to cut Alexander Madison and save the $4 million bucks and I think go so after too. a guy. I think the Madison deal last year was, okay, we got rid of Dalvin Cook because we weren't going to pay him $12 million bucks. We've given you what we feel is a fair deal for running back. Go out and prove it. You, you have this chance. And look, the Vikings, I think, gave Madison more than a fair opportunity. I think they went with him a lot longer than they, they should have, in my opinion, last year before they went with Chandler. And 
it wouldn't surprise me at all if they cut Madison. And it would not hurt my feelings if they did cut Alexander Madison. All right, last question before we go to the big board. One word answer. Drew, will the Vikings add a potential starting or uh, significant running back by committee guy in free agency? Yes or no? Yes. Chris? Yes. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, let's go to the Drew Bunning big board for running back prospects for 2024. Running backs. Here we go, guys. Got a lot of good running backs. Didn't seem like a big running back here. We do it, but after I did the research on these guys, I think it's a very, very cool running back. And just like the quarterbacks, a lot of potential with these guys. But you look at my big board there. First off, there's like seven, eight guys I had to leave off this list, Ted, and I felt bad about it because any one of them could have made the last 14 or 15. Okay. Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss could have made it. Carson Steele from UCLA, Imani Bailey from TCU, four four eight guy. He, he he didn't make it. Rashawn Ali, Jace McClellan, Michael Wiley from Arizona. All those guys could have made the list, but they didn't. So there's a lot of good running backs that are going to go. Real quick before we get into this, Frank Gore Jr. You put a picture of Frank Gore Jr. next to his dad. <laughs> Tell me they're not the same guy. It's they the look guy. exactly alike, don't they? It's unbelievable how much like, it's like a clone, Ted. <laughs> and if you draft Frank Gore Jr., dude will play until he's like forty, like like his dad did. <laughs> he will. So yeah, he'll be there. He'll be in the league forever. So make an investment there. Got twenty years easy. Uh, got a little question to open up the uh, open up the draft with you guys. We've had fifty-eight running backs taken the last three drafts. How many in the first round? Let's see. Jameer Gibbs was last year. He was a first-round guy by Detroit. So was B. John Robinson, so there's two. I don't think there were any the year before. The year before that would have been 2021. I think that's it, man. Might have just been those two. Close. Chris is exactly right. There was none taken in 2022. Uh, The ones he had last year were correct. In 2021, there was only two taken in round one. Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etienne for the Jaguars. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Four out of 58. And interestingly, on your big board, you don't have a first-round projection on any of these guys. Now, now, is that because of the devaluation of the running back position or the talent of these guys? I don't think it's so much the talent. I think after the first round, there's going to be a big run on them, and all these guys are going to go between probably late second and the fourth round. It's mainly because teams have other needs at other spots. You know, this isn't the, the days of kid bro sweets and all those guys back in the priest homes. All those running backs dominated. They don't look at it like this. This year is going to be a lot like 2022 when the first back off the board was Brees Hall at number 38. I think that's going to be right along the lines of what we're looking at now. I do not see one going in the first round. I don't think it's so much with talent because there is a good mixture of workhorse backs and dual backs in this draft. You got like one, two, three, four, four guys as second round backs. You got Jonathan Brooks as your top rated guy. Is, is he your favorite of those guys, or you just think he's the guy that's going to go first? Well, he's not going to go first because he's not going to play next season because of his knee injury. He had a knee injury. Oh, yeah, in that's week, right. Yeah, that's in right. In week 10 against TCU. He's my favorite back because he's the most all around back. Some guys are just natural running backs. He has that natural look to him. And without that knee injury against TCU, he is by far the best back in this draft. It's him and everybody else. If he's not hurt, do you think he goes in the first round? I think he would have been the guy, the only guy to go in the first round. Okay. And I think if you're going to draft a back, you don't want to wait for the injury to heal. I don't think he's going to play next season, but if you want to have a good guy you could put in the bank here to have come back after next season, he is the guy. I mean, leading up to that TCU game, Ted, he had 1,139 yards and 10 touchdowns wow. before he got hurt. The good thing about him is whoever takes him, very low tread on those tires, Ted. Only 22 games in college, and, you know, the knee injury is a big thing, but he's a great dual guy. He's a workhorse running back. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He had 25 catches before the injury. Just natural instincts for a running back. Great cuts, 
sees the lanes well, the running lanes, great vision, acceleration. He's got the whole nine yards. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to play week one, it's not going to be him. 6'2", 205, he's got good size for a running back. Jonathan Brooks is my favorite running back in this draft. So, Drew, if you say that he's not going to play right away, do you think he plays at all in 2024? Or do you think he's like midway through the season kind of guy? Or is he going to miss an entire year before he gets out there again? I think it's going to be the whole year. Some people say he could be back for the final, you know, five or six games. He had an ACL, MCL, and a meniscus all at the same time. He's probably going to drop pretty far. You're looking for a guy right away. You're going to my number two back, Trey Benson. Okay. Man, we'll start out Trey Benson, but I'm going to show you these two highlights by Trey Benson. Let's go. As you watch these two highlights, you know, there's no question about his speed. And there's no question about his ability to get through tackles. This guy is nuts. I loved watching him. 13 games. He had 906 rushing yards. 488 of those 906 came after contact. And I like that in a running back. You almost have to have this in this league now. You got to be able to have that, that secondary yardage after contact. He's a workhorse back himself. He can play three downs. He is the Charday of running backs, guys. He's a smooth operator. He's a smooth <laughs> operator, Ted, whether it's coast to coast, L.A. to Chicago, whatever. This guy sets up his blocks really well. Great vision. Great. He's a great running back. He needs work on his pass blocking, but they all do. He uses a bailout guy mostly for Jordan Travis, but he is my best back besides Jonathan Brooks. Whoever gets Troy Benson's getting a starter day one, I think. Okay. My favorite running back. If, well, Besides Blake Corum, my favorite. I was going to say, wait, well, just just get it out of the way. Talk, talk He's about not him. your favorite. We got to talk about Bucky Irving real quick. All this right. guy's like James Cook. Reminds me of James Cook. A lot of it. 5'10", 195. Some people don't like his size. I don't give a shit. If you run the ball well, you can be two feet tall. I don't care. 21 years old. He's the ultimate dual role guy in this draft. 1,180 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6.3 average. To 37 career games, he had 3,000 yards rushing. Elite speed, Ted Glover and Chris. Elite. Great lateral runner. One of my main things I look at with these running backs is how do they hold on to the ball? This guy had one fumble in 37 college football games. How many? One. One fumble in 37 games. He started out his career at the University of Minnesota, then woke up and went, why the hell am I at the University of Minnesota? And he went to Oregon to play there to better position himself. I'm not ripping on Gopher fans. I'm not ripping on the Gophers, but next level, he's going to be a matchup nightmare, Ted, Bucky Irving. Nightmare. He makes guys miss. Yards after contact, he does all that. 56 catches last year. 56 catches, 413 yards, and two touchdowns. That's the best receiver in my top 15. I would think a guy by the name of Bucky would play at Wisconsin, but that's that's me. (laughs) Are you slandering the great Bucky Scribner? Yeah, Bucky Scribner, punter, number 13 for the Vikes. Woo! No. no Yay. Why, why would I do that? <laughs> no. The only thing I don't like about Irving, and he could be totally coached out of him, is sometimes he's too patient. I like the guys that see the lane and go. Dalvin Cook, Adrian Peterson, they see the lane. He dances around a little bit too much back there, and I think it's because he's trying to find a way to get an 80-yard touchdown. Sometimes you just got to see the see and cut. But... Man, whoever gets Bucky Irving is going to use him in different areas and screen passes and use him out of the backfield and between the tackles runner, can run around the perimeter. He's, you're going to get everything with that guy. Okay, can I say my piece about Blake Corn before you talk about him? Yes. <laughs> I love this kid. He's no longer a Michigan Wolverine. I watched him embarrass Ohio State. Well, he didn't play two years ago. He was hurt. He only, he only had a couple carries. Right. He he embarrassed Ohio State. He's a good football player. He is a guy that does not lose yardage when he gets the ball. He is an exceptional teammate. You hear guys on his team say nothing but incredible things about him. If the Vikings were to somehow draft J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> I would be overjoyed because those two guys are some just seriously good football players, and they would immediately make the Minnesota Vikings. I don't want to say an immediate Super Bowl contender, but it would go a long way to solve their quarterback problem, and it would go a long way to solve their running back problem. Blake Corm is a kid 
that if you put him in the running back room, I think the Vikings was last year with or two years ago with Dalvin Cook. I think they led the league in carries for negative yardage. Last year they had one of the lowest yards per carry averages in the NFL. That would I don't want to say be a thing of the past. The NFL is a different animal, but it would go a long way in eliminating the second and nines and the second and twelves and the third and nines. It would help the Vikings play on schedule so much better with a guy like Blake Gorm. And if you tell me the Vikings can get him in the fourth round or they can make a trade to get back in the third round because they currently don't have a third-round pick, I would be overjoyed. Say your piece about Blake Gorm. That's very well said. It saves me a lot because everything was spot on that you said. <laughs> oh, he is. He's a guy. All heart. All team. It's about the team all the time. He'd be a great teammate, just like J.J. McCarthy. Those guys have been brought up the right way in football. It's about your team and about the other guys around you. I saw an interview with Blake Corum after he got like 200 yards rushing and four touchdowns. And the entire interview, he was talking about Donovan Edwards, his other running back. Everything you said is, is spot on, Ted. It's a guy you want to have in the locker room. Some of the drawbacks on him, people don't like his, his size, 5'8 and 210. But let me tell you, Blake Corum uses 5'8 to hide behind linemen. He That's part of his arsenal, man. His size is short. He hides behind people and then darts. And then one move and he's gone. He does a lot of one move and you're gone. He did it to your boys after that injury in that late night game. One move, cut, missed the safety, gone. And he does a lot of that. 45 game, mass production, 1,245, 27 touchdowns last year, Ted. The one thing I would say about Coram that you have always stressed about having a running back compared to like Donovan Edwards, he doesn't have that home run breakaway speed like Edwards you saw it in the I think the national championship game Christ almighty I I wake up at two o'clock in the morning with Edwards just (laughs) running free in Ohio Stadium I mean when Edwards gets to the second level he's gone he's not going to be caught Corum does not have that top end fifth gear like a Robert Smith or Adrian Peterson had but the guy he will get you a ton of yards though Yes, yes, and he he doesn't have the long speed like Edwards has. He kind of peters out three-quarters of the way down the field. He's going to get you a lot of 40-yard touchdowns, but he's not going to get any 60- or 70-yard touchdowns, maybe 30 yards or whatever. He doesn't have the long speed, but this is really cool. He still runs a 4-3. You know his build is 5'8", 210. People think, oh, he's too small. That guy did 30 bench reps at 275. I mean, that's crazy. Dang. That's what linemen do. He reminds me a lot of Kyron Williams for the Rams. He kind of reminds me of that guy. I've watched every snap he's taken at Michigan, and it's just like the energy he brings to the team. He needs some help in the pass game. He wasn't used a lot in the pass game. I think he only caught 56 balls when he was at Michigan, only 16 last year. But he's a good pass blocker in the backfield if he knows where the rusher's coming. He has a difficult time picking up blitzes. But if it's an obvious rusher, he stands his ground really well. He actually knocks people on their ass. 731 touches at Michigan. Touches. Zero fumbles. Wow. 731, folks. Zero fumbles. People say he can't be a three-down back. I'll leave that up to you guys after watching his tape here. He had the knee injury in 2022. I think he might not start out being a three-down back. Might be up to one of these guys that has to prove it. But 675 carries at Michigan. He was a bell cow back at Michigan, Ted. You know that. You can't go wrong with Blake Corum because he's going to give you his all every play. He'll make it this league. He'll make it. He'll carve out a role for himself in this league, and he'll be good. I want to ask you this one question, and then I'll let Chris kind of take over the questions. Of these four guys, Brooks, Benson, Irving, and Corum, with the way running backs are just kind of poo-pooed in the NFL these days, they do draft the quarterback in the first round, and they trade up to do it. They'll probably have to give up their second-round pick to do it. Not having a third-round pick, that means they're not going to pick till the fourth round. Any chance any one of these guys, these top four guys you have, slip to the fourth round that they could get? I think they're all going to be gone by the third, but slight possibility. It's a long way to drop, Ted. Yeah, it is. I know. Middle of the second round all the way to the end of the third, I think those four will be gone. But the two guys I have my Viking alert on aren't even in that top four. All righty. Those four guys you mentioned that you've already gone over, I know you already said Brooks probably is going to play this year. Uh, Are the other three guys that walk in and immediately start day one or are they guys that are going to have to kind of rotate in a little bit at first and kind of work themselves into the uh into the lineup i think Corum and irving are going to have to work themselves into the lineup because they're going to be mostly guys that aren't 
workhorse guys to begin with. I think Benson is a day one starter for sure. But I think the other two are going to have to be worked in to find out what role they need. Because Irving definitely is not a guy you're just going to put back there and run out of the I formation over and over. He's too valuable in pass receiving. So got to tell you about this Braylon Allen guy from Wisconsin. Is he one of your guys on the Viking watch? Yeah. 6'2", 245. He's only 20 years old. You want a guy you can sit back there and just hand the ball off and destroy defenses when you have a lead in the fourth quarter? This is the guy. You know the power lift. With a power clean, he power lifted 406 pounds, and in the 10-yard split, he ran a 1.49. That is in, that's insane. That's not even human. I do that. I do that every day. He's a violent runner, great burst, finishes runs really well. He's a workhorse back, definite three-down guy. In the past, he's played running back, safety, linebacker in high school and college. He's got the great size and speed for a guy you want in there. Only played in 33 games, but had 3,500 yards for the Badgers in his career. His speed for his size just jumps off the board at you. The next two guys, he and Estime, are the same kind of running back. You set them back seven yards deep, Ted. You hike it, and these guys go forward. Either they're going to break it open or they're going to get stopped, but they're always going to get three yards. They don't have the juke and the shimmy and the butt and the twist. And the, they're straight out. Just straight runners. Audric estimates the same way. His style seems very much not suited for something like the Vikings want to do or, or want in a running back, though. He seems like Herschel Walker and the Jerry Burns offense back in the day. The Vikings spent a lot of time last year running it up the middle for no gain. I would have liked to have seen eight-yard gains and 12-yard gains. Well, fair, yeah. I like Allen. I think he's a good back. And those guys that could just grind it out and grind down a defense. I mean, that'd be nice if we could get a running back that, could end the game. That would be really cool. Audric Estime, 1,341 yards, a 6.4 average, and 18 touchdowns last season. I mean, if you're going to try to do some sort of rotation with Ty Chandler, I mean, you know, a back like Estime or Allen is the kind of guy you would pair with a uh, back like that. I mean, you know, Chandler can be more or less the speed guy. And then, like you said, you get to the fourth quarter with the lead and you want to try to just grind down the clock and whatever because, you know, the Vikings don't win games by more than seven points. So, you know, they're going to have to do that at the end of the game every week. I mean, you could just well have a guy that you just hammer into the middle of the defense and pick up four or five yards on a carry. So that might be something. And, you know, with the way running backs get devalued, I mean, if they don't have that third round pick, I mean, these are guys they could probably get on day three of the draft from, from the sounds of it. Exactly right, Chris Gates. That is exactly right. He's the best probably goal line guy in this draft, or at least in my top 15, best short yardage guy, can wear people down in the fourth quarter. He reminds me of Cedric Benson. You guys remember that guy? Yeah, from the Bears. Yeah. Right, out of Texas. His tape reminded me a lot of watching uh, Cedric's tape. He's one of those guys that estimate, you better tackle him at the line of scrimmage. He gets ahead of steam. You're F-U-C-T. That's what's going to happen to you because he'll run you over. (laughs) He's a violent runner. Him? And Braylon Allen are going to be the workhorse guys, Ted. They're going to get drafted, and they're going to quickly move into the starting position. If you like that old-school running back that runs up the middle and just plows people, those are the guys. So Ty Chandler was, what, a fifth-round pick, what, a couple years ago, last year, whenever it was? We've got estimated fourth-round guy. If the Vikings get a guy in the draft, I, you know, I think we all agree they're going to get quarterback in the first round. Whether they trade up or not remains to be seen. I would think they're going to go defense in the second round, I I would hope. I think they need defensive line. I would also think they're going to address running back if my prediction is right about cutting Alexander Madison. I I would also think it'd be later in the draft. And you got the rest of your your lineup here is fourth and fifth round guys, plus a bunch of guys you didn't even even make your cut. Right. Who's the guy you got that's later on, a late round Ty Chandler type guy that you think might get picked by the Vikings that you might have on Vikings watch? You know who I like, I have Vikings watch, is Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Had to share a lot of carries with Austin Jones from USC. He's one of those, they ran a committee there, but I like his pass catching ability, Ted. On some of the tape I watched, they had him split out in the slot. He's running nine routes, which is straight, really? down, straight down the field. And he was catching passes out of the nine routes, deep posts. He had a 17.3 receiving average, which was tops out of all my top 15. That's a wide receiver receiving average. So 13 receptions, 232 yards. I love his receiving skills. And as a back, you know, 7.1 yard per carry, nine touchdowns. 
but his his value mainly is as a receiver, and I like that aspect of his game because I don't see many receivers running nine routes. Little bit of a ball security problem. Seems to lose his ball when he gets like mobbed by three or four guys. He doesn't have the power to hold the ball. That's when he has most of his fumbles. You see, maybe a team wanting to convert him to wide receiver then. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe they. Yeah, that. <laughs> This guy had a unique knack for finding the open areas. I always like receivers and running backs who, when the shit hits the fan, they could figure out how to get open and help. Marshawn Lloyd bailed Caleb Williams out of a bunch of tough spots. He did as a receiver. Caleb Williams was ready to go out of bounds or ready to get sacked. He'd throw it to this guy and he'd run 30 yards. So he bailed him out of a lot of plays. But you're not just there by accident. Players like that are around the football. They can see the play and see the openness and see what they need to do. From your description of him, he sounds kind of like a, I don't know if I want to make this comparison, but he sounds like a Debo Samuel kind of player where, you know, you can use him as a pass catcher. You can use him as a guy out of the backfield. You can ask him to do all sorts of stuff like the Niners do with Debo. Maybe not as dynamic as Debo with the cut and run. And maybe maybe not as a violent of a runner at the end of his runs as Debo, but that's a great comparison because he has running back skills, but you can use him in so many ways and, not everybody's going to be after him in the early in the draft, guys. I think he could fall. I'm at fourth, but he's a guy maybe you can get a little later. Played at South Carolina for three years, traded over to USC. Like I said, ball security is really the only thing I have a problem with him, man. All these backs in the back end are, are guys, they're going to be developmental guys, but you could take a chance on a couple of them. Of these guys, is there one that could kind of jump in right away and get into the mix as a third down running back, for example, like Chandler was later in the year or or kind of maybe transition more, get an increased workload as the year goes on, like this Dylan Lobb guy or Isaiah Davis or a Cody Schrader, one of your unlisted guys? I like Isaiah Davis. I wish he was a little faster, but he's a guy that you knock around. He's really hard to knock down because he has such good balance. You have to wonder about the competition he played against, but how about Isaiah Davis? 45 games, 4,461 yards. 49 touchdowns for a jackrabbit. He gets the ball, sees the lanes really well, like Schrader. Schrader probably has the best vision. Schrader never takes a bad angle on anything. He sees it and he goes. That one cut makes a difference to me. Chris Johnson. Remember Chris Johnson? That guy was one cut wizard. Played for Tennessee. For the Titans, yeah. The guy said he was better than Adrian Peterson for a couple years. (laughs) One cut, but he's a one cut guy. I would like to see Davis be a little quicker. He's only a four five two, but something about him. He's got some anger in him, and he, he's a small school guy. The small school guys come in with a little bit of a chip, so I do. I like him. Any of these guys on the back end? Dylan Johnson's a fantastic running back for Washington. Okay, he could be a bell cow guy, three down back. Any of these guys you're taking late? It's a flyer on them. But all of them have the ability, every one of them have the ability to make your roster and contribute. This draft is full of a lot of good players, Chris, but there's no like superstar standouts in it. You know, you don't have any Barry Sanders yeah. or something like that. You don't have any of those guys or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, all that kind of thing. These are just damn good football players, but I like the styles. I like the different styles by the different guys. You got the two bruising running backs from Wisconsin, Notre Dame with uh, Estime and Allen. And then you got dual threat guys, Bucky Irving and, and Corum certainly can do that. Good variety of backs. He could fit into what you're looking for. Because some people aren't looking for workhorse backs. They're looking for the change of pace guy. Just one more question here. Do you think with, you know, the way college football is kind of trending and, you know, as a result, the way the NFL is kind of trending, do you think the days of the superstar running back are kind of, over and done with at this point? I kind of feel that they are because everybody's going to that two-back committee because you know, running backs are more like receivers, it seems like now. I don't know if there's a guy that could do the Dalvin Cook thing. I mean, there's guys that do it, but I think coordinators and coaches are going more towards having two backs with two different styles. I think that's what it's going towards, too. I, I think the Vikings are going to draft one of these guys late, though. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's cyclical. Every offensive innovation takes a while for defenses to catch up, but eventually they do catch up, and then offenses will counter with something else, and what is old becomes new again at some point. I think you'll, at some point, you know, we'll, at least Drew and I, if we're not dead, we'll be in nursing homes, but the <laughs> running back uh, or the single workhorse bell cow running back will become in vogue again, and, and there'll be, you know, 
by the time we're in our 80s and 90s, they'll be 6'8", 320. <laughs> you know, and they will. But I mean, but I think for the next probably generation, I, I would think until my grandson, Grayson, is probably out of high school in college next, what, 10, 15 years. I think this is the way football is going to be for sure. I can't argue with that. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, there's good players up and down this list, just like there's good players up and down the quarterback list, just like there's good players up and down every list we are going to see in the Drew Bunting big board. And we are going to continue with the big board next week. Is it going to be wide receivers next week, Drew? Is Drew there? Drew? Resume the countdown. (laughs) Well, maybe not. All right, so look, we've got a little bit of a technical difficulty. Well, Chris, you're the meteorologist. I like weather, sunspot interruption. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, but yes. If Dave Stefano was watching, this is <laughs> this is directly caused by sunspots. <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just roll with that or a solar flare or something. He lives 30 miles from my house, yet my signal is uninterrupted. Anyways, but yeah, so uh, it was a good list. Thanks for the the big board again, Drewster. Next week, we continue with our positional analysis. We will get caught up on, on the wide receiver group, one that's probably, in, in all seriousness, finally, not a big position in need for the Vikings, but is something they could probably look to add depth in at least later in the draft. Once again, Chris, it's been great having you on these last couple of weeks. Glad that you could join us. We will try to do better the next time. Why don't you play the role of Drew this week, buddy, and take us home? Running backs!